podcast where we talk about everything in and relating to technology. Starring three Brooke Techno experts, Eric Newman, hi, Chris Grabowski, hey, and Tyler Dinner. Hi there. This week's episode, Cryptocurrency Continued. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another pull request. My name is Eric Newman, and to the left of me is Chris Grabowski. Hi, sitting over there. Hey. Did you uh, forget your name for a second there? No, I said Eric Newman. Yeah, you hesitated. I always say, hey, do you listen to the show, <laughs> Christian? I say that every week. <laughs> <laughs> My name is nobody, because I forgot it. Okay, and to the left of you, of course, is the wonderful Tyler Dinner sitting over there in your apartment, also in Bushwick. Hi, how are you? Hey guys, I remember my name. Oh, good, <laughs> good. We're happy you remembered your name, Tyler. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. It's your shirt. Happy Sunday. What was that? I said I'm good. It's your shirt. No, no. Okay, I said what was that? Because you talked over each other one at a time. Traffic Ta- accident. Traffic accident. <laughs> yeah, on the show introduction lane. <laughs> <laughs> That is true, yeah. And, uh, you know, we've only done 34 of these. We've done we've done this, Christian, for the better part of a year. Uh, I remember arguing now. with you over what we were going to do with the show m- many months ago. It was Give cold, Give me cancer now, God. Yeah, <laughs> and you see, and, and we said, what did, what did we say? You know what, let's save this retrospective for November. because that's said a lot of expletives. What was that? We said a lot of expletives. Many more <laughs> expletives. And if you didn't notice, one of the traffic accidents on uh, the intro to the show was me ch- almost starting to say three Brooklyn technophiles like I used to in our Radio Free Brooklyn days. And ironically, now that we all are all in Brooklyn, uh, I don't say it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, uh, right off the top of the show, it looks like uh, the Disney company is uh, fighting with Cablevision. They're threatening, they do one of these, like, they're threatening to remove all of the Disney Channel channels. Sorry, sorry, the Disney Channels, which are not just the Disney Channel. Of course, Disney owns ABC, they own ESPN. uh, All eight of them. I'm sorry? There's eight ESPN channels. Oh, yes, of course, with the Ocho. And, uh, yeah, and so they're doing this, you know, standard kind of um, peeing race, just, you know, uh, (laughs) which... Uh, who's who's gonna who's gonna stop first? And, I don't know, it's a real cat and mouse game. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, it's not a peeing race; it's a pissing contest. It's Damn a it, cat. No, uh, it's a cat yeah, and mouse thank you, Bob, game. Bob, Bob, You're Bob, missing it. Exactly. You're missing it. What I miss? It's a cat and mouse game. Cause Disney. Oh. oh well, well played, Tyler. Mouse. <laughs> and well played. Cable Vision's the cat. Who cares about that? Disney's the mouse. I was no, <laughs> no. It's only got one layer, but it's a layer. Damn it! <laughs> That's right. At least they appreciate it. Apathetic laugh comes to us from our <laughs> studio audience. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi, you wonderful people. We keep them in a Tupperware container during the week, and we let them out on Sundays just for us. And it is a wonderful Sunday evening. This evening, did you guys hear? That AOL Instant Messenger is shutting down after 20 years. Yeah, that door closes for the final time. That's right. <laughs> yes. Goodbye. Even though it didn't actually say that when you uh, did AIM. Only on AOL. But anyway, uh, if you were a 90s kid, chances are there was a point in time when AOL Instant Messenger was a huge part of your life. You likely remember the CD, your first screen name, your carefully curated away messages, and paying for the internet by the hour. But right now, you might be reminiscing about how you had to compete or, or for time on the home computer or <laughs> in order to chat with friends outside of school. 
AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, tapped into new digital technologies which are now very old, and they've ignited a cultural shift. But in the way that we communicate with each other, that's profoundly changed in the 21st century. So as a result, the AOL has made the decision to close the doors in AIM, effective the 15th of December, 2017. They're more excited than ever to continue the next generation of iconic brands and life-changing products for users around the world. I think the surprise here is that AOL is still a company. No, the surprise here is that people, I mean, that AIM still works. Yeah. You say it it like you use it, but when was the last time you used AOL Instant Messenger? Yeah, that's true. Ten years ago. When I was talking to your mom... (laughs) <laughs> when it's jokes like that were relevant. <laughs> it's it's also it's funny because my Back mom when actually your mom goes to college was the funniest joke out there. And now my mom uses FaceTime. <laughs> so, oh, there's a joke in there. Keep, yeah. So it's me a giggity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot to recut that bit. That's the problem. You got to keep in mind though, AIM is its own desktop app, so it can get as old as it wants. Nobody's gonna. That's true. It. And if yeah. people are still running Windows XP, then they could run that version of AIM that came out ten years ago, and they'll be fine. I mean, People still yeah. hop on IRCs. Well, you know, another there was well, another IRCs. Is, they have a cult, whole culture around IRCs. Yeah, it's like different. it's like vinyl. But, it's like I mean, the, the vinyl of messaging apps. Message technology from thirty to fifty. No, years you're ago thinking. Still you works. might be thinking of um, what was that? Was it IRQ? ICQ. It was ICQ. Both? Yeah, that was the late nineties instant messenger still. where you had a number instead of a list, and people didn't like it because it was reminiscent of the Holocaust. But that's another story. <laughs> 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 anyway, wow. uh, did you hear also, no, it didn't make a much, <laughs> as much of a splash, MSN Messenger, uh, which was rebranded five times into finally Windows Live Messenger, closed its doors in 2014. Yahoo Messenger shut down last year, even though Yahoo launched a new service re- uh, under the same name, which currently exists, but nobody's using it. So, this is the end of the 90s in 2017. That's it. It's the end of the world as we know it. The end of the world as we know it. Which was okay. popular when AIM was. <laughs> <laughs> Along with a band called Real Big Fish. Anyway, um, two big outages we noticed this week. One of them was LinkedIn. And yep. people had a hard time searching for jobs, I guess, but I found one. So, so right. <laughs> well, um, LinkedIn went down because of the CDN that they were using, which I believe was actually an Akamai CDN. Well, that's funny because Akamai went down the last week as well. Yep. I believe it was that same outage because it was LinkedIn CDN. Uh, I happen to work for a company that does DNS for LinkedIn, uh, so all the links were resolving, but then the actual data just wasn't there. Ah, uh, well, as someone that happens to work with a company that's at the end of the end of that spectrum, uh, half of their videos didn't work, and it's it's not good when a major content provider just disappears for a while, and your and their job is to serve content around the world, and your business is built on top of that. Yeah, but they have to run on physical servers. You got to keep in mind, and Murphy's Law. Some guy trip over, over a place. cable. Literally every like thirty minutes, they probably hit get an alert. Just for one particular data center at their scale. Mm. Well, the Akamai real-time web monitor still shows very red for the eastern half of the U.S. It actually looks like the weather graph right now because it is 80 degrees in October. Anyway, my, I, have, I have this nightmare of Florida weather creeping up into the northeast. It's happening. It, before, in, in, you, you brought it up here. Funny. 
probably true. Uh, okay. We've been talking a lot about, of course, Equifax, one of three credit rating agencies in the U.S. They've been in a lot of hot water recently. Richard F. Smith, who was their CEO, stepped down last week, but not saved by the bell too soon because he stepped down onto a train to Washington to get yelled at by Congress. He rep- repeatedly, not reportedly, repeatedly apologized to the members of the House Energy and Commerce Committee and the American people, just like the BP executive from 2010. We're sorry. sorry. No, that's, that was cute. Sorry. That's cute you did it at the same time. Uh, <laughs> on multiple occasions, Mr. Smith referred to an individual in Equifax's technology department, a dude named Ben. Uh, who had failed to heed security warnings and did not ensure the implementation of software fixes that would have prevented the breach. Christian. So can we behead this guy? Christian, how much... (laughs) Sorry. Does this person exist? Let's start there. (laughs) It's possible. Generally with these... Uh, like if they have particular security certifications, which and if okay, so if someone has like these security checklist. certifications, and they work yeah. at a giant company like Equifax. No, I don't mean the individual. I mean the company having certain oh. certifications. Oh, okay. Like PCI, SOC two, uh, right? HIPAA, those. Uh, it's just a checklist you got to go through. So it's so easy for a hacker to be like, okay, what's not on this checklist? And but with all this checklist, though, you do have to have one particular in- individual who signs off saying, if there is an issue, I specifically and I alone take the fall for this. Well, I mean, it is the job of executives to throw an underling under the bus, and it usually comes to pass that that underling is from the IT slash uh, cloud department in the company. And does this, I ask, does this person exist? Because this sounds very kind of bog-standard rhetoric from these no, people. No, I, I mean, I, I think it's a issue that should be reflected to the company, yes, but, but, I mean, this yes, guy is... It's definitely a company. It's, it was a matter of the company not prioritizing it. It's a matter this, of updating uh, this guy's, software, this guy's manager isn't it? Tell, this guy's, well, yes, that's the most literal way to look at it. But I'm saying it's this, guy's, this guy who, whose fault it is. It's his boss's fault that he didn't prioritize this and so on. But it, it, it is the case that you do own these certifications signed as an individual. This one particular person, is head, their head is on the chopping block. If they aren't comp- if they aren't compliant, and being that they were pat- behind on patches on a very well known thing, that is a, a framework that is designed to try to fit all of these uh, certifications because uh, these big companies that came out in the late nineties, early two thousands that came up with these certifications all used things like struts. It was just a matter of laziness, yes, but there probably really is one guy whose head is on the chopping block because it's the way these certifications work. But there's a flaw in these certifications as well because they're just. Uh, lists that you have to check off. Two questions then because of that. Why hasn't this guy been named? Why isn't he testifying in, uh, to Congress? There can be t- all sorts of legal things there. Mm-hmm. I don't even really know the whole details. All right, I might, that's probably a fair I, mark. I also, don't, I also don't know what certification accrediting agency has to have uh, for as far as uh, security goes. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the... Uh, Representative from Oregon, Greg Walden, said uh, to Mr. Smith, how does this happen with, when so much is at stake? I don't even think we can pass a law that, excuse me for saying this, fixes stupid. I can't fix stupid, having recently seen that Ron White comedy special called You Can't Fix Stupid. Hmm. 
Uh, on the opposite side of Capitol Hill, senators were ripping into the current chief executive of a better-known but similarly beleaguered financial institution known as Wells Fargo. The giant bank's chief, Timothy J. Sloan, was testifying about the company's responses to a series of scandals that have rocked Wells Fargo over the past year. The superhero of Congress, Miss Elizabeth Warren, said, At best, you are incompetent. At worst, you are complicit. Either way, you should be fired. So we've got, in Washington, at the same time, being yelled at by both houses of Congress, Equifax, one of three... Credit rating institutions. If wait, 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 wait. First off, you know you really screwed up when Congress is able to make, figure uh, it out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. When, when your bar is lower well, than the, Congress's the problem, bar, I mean, the problem is this: it's because of yeah. their personal involvement. I'm sure Miss Warren might have some accounts at Wells Fargo. Some other people do. Some other people's information <laughs> have been outed during the Equifax stuff. So it's because of their personal interest, not because of their actual, you know, job oh, to serve the population. Also, with the Equifax. Uh, it's, no, I know. Fact, that's that that's if the thing. you're a U.S. citizen, you probably have some stake in those kind of things. And they can't get, to, they can't close on their house in Martha's Vineyard with this Equifax stuff going on. It's that simple. Yeah, no, that's exactly the case. And that's why they're saying, well, you know, the American people, they really won't stand for this until my house closes, and then I don't care anymore until the next election. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, the CEO of Equifax, Mr. Smith, retired last week. While he no longer works at Equifax, he was the only representative of the company to testify to Congress. Wonderful. He cited human error and technology failures. As in, I didn't do it. The company sent out an internal email requesting that its technical staff fix the software, but an individual did not ensure communication got to the right person to manually patch that application. Christian... Yep. The company sends out an internal email to the uh-huh. uh, development engineering staff, which is usually a listserv that has everyone on it, even though I've managed to evade those listservs, uh, to saying that an individual did not ensure communication got to the right person. That is bogus, isn't it? How does this happen? Uh, incompetency and neglect, really, in some way. Basically. Yeah. There's so many things that could have gone into it, like... They just could have been super overworked, and it could have been so far on the back burner for them to do it that it didn't happen. It what is the fault of like? Well, that's people. that's on the company's uh, uh, fault then. Yeah, then it's on the company. It could be on the company. Well, this like all that, is on the company. It's on not on this one guy. Be lazy. Who knows? But I don't want to blame this one guy. I'm sorry. I'll blame the company. In well, the- just from a legal perspective. It- literally is that you blame one person okay fine but it's still equifax what if their code base was hacked to shit excuse me and uh they couldn't actually upgrade it because it would it would it would mess up issues that they had to hack around in their that's very possible and that's a huge issue that is a huge issue and that issue is endemic at large companies like equifax yes so what if the guy who's being who's being really dragged through the, I forgot the idiom well, here. Well, so this is a guy who usually is not at the top of the line on on the tech side, but he's like either the number two or number three. Right, someone who and could be like, replaced without upsetting the major players. Well, you're not the you're not the C, you're not the CTO, uh, probably. You're more likely than not a VP of something or other. And so, uh, with that, you sign on the dotted line that yes, you are responsible for this. Maybe like you're a VP of security at a really large company. And then that's your head on the chomping block. And because that's not the guy who's coding, if you're at a VP level, particularly at a really large company, 
that's the guy who's there to make sure this stuff gets done. And he's in uh, high enough management that he should be able to say, like, hey, this code is crap. Like, uh, yes, it is a thing that a lot of this, a lot of these places predate these um, more cultural pushes for better quality code. It used to be just, like, write a bunch of code, get it done. Particularly in the Java world of, like, uh, right before Y2K, there were millions of companies hiring just to change a bug because nobody thought the year 2000 would ever come for some reason. Right. Four bits for date instead of two. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. There's, there are a couple of things that are coming because of this fallout from Equifax. Like they've said that on January 31st, they'll introduce a free lock that customers can turn on and off through a website uh, through, or an app that might be compromised or install malware on your phone. God only knows. Uh, and then uh, Representative Frank Pallone Jr., Democrat from New Jersey, introduced the Secure and Protect Americans Data Act, or SPATA, an updated version of an unpassed bill that has been around for at least a decade, basically says that if this, <coughs> this had been law during the breach, it would have required that the affected individuals were notified of the breach in writing. However, I'm sure... Oh, and they were uh, entitled to 10 free years of credit monitoring. Now, I'm sure that they could argue that uh, the people being notified, since it was 143 million of them, a news article would suffice. Yeah, you know, the New York Times wrote an article about it. I think that counts. So... Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, In the congressional hearings, of course, we saw a famous figure from American folklore who is known as Mr. Monopoly. That's right. There was a real live Mr. Monopoly. I can tell that you guys are enthused, are enthused by hearing this. Uh, oh, no, this isn't news. Is it news? No, this is like a week old. No, it was from three days ago. Yeah, I heard it three days ago. Okay, we do a show where we're talking about the news, Christian. This isn't for you. This is for the people listening to us. Come on. I, I know, but you're saying I'm not amused. And it's like, okay, I've been hearing about this all Put week. on a happy face. Come on. <laughs> if I sounded like how I actually felt in this show, it would just be a bunch of yelling, which was what we do off camera. Really? I thought it'd be more like a Lanista ad. <laughs> where you can't, where you're asleep, but you do a bunch of stuff while you're sleeping. Oh, and that's not the one I'm thinking of. What's the, what's the one I'm thinking of with the... Uh, Extends? It's... No, <laughs> that's, even funnier. that's even funnier than what I was thinking of. I was thinking of the umbrella with a face for depression. Oh, uh, Billify? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. That's what you add to an existing antidepressant if it's not helping enough. Anyway, okay, let's keep this going because we're 20 minutes into the show and we're still at the top. Uh, well, for what it's worth, I was thinking of a Hooters commercial, but that's just because you guys are talking about commercials. <laughs> uh, with, here's one last thing on, on Equifax With no apparent sense of irony The nation's tax collectors have awarded The embattled credit reporting agency A contract to assist the IRS In verifying taxpayer identities It pays $7.25 million And is listed as a sole source acquisition So while we're on the topic of credit fraud uh, This past week My credit card got skimmed somewhere Oh, was it from the same and- guy that stole my phone number? Maybe. It happened to be in the Bronx, Ooh. all these charges. They bought a brand new iPhone. And was it an X or an 8? Uh, 8. See, and get, get see ready for this, that no, should no, have no, no, triggered no, no. That's the not even the big deal. That's not even the big deal. The big deal one is $50 at a Popeye's. <laughs> that is more impressive than anything. I mean, I mean that, that that writes itself, Christian. I think you can get a much better picture of who stole your credit card after the uh, 
Oh. $50 at Popeye's. It's a... Anyway. Well, thankfully the bank caught it and I got refunded, but goddamn. Wow. So, uh... (laughs) See, they should have got. I don't know if your if your card does this. I have a Chase card, and they send you a text message for fraud alerts, which might be really easy to spoof. I get a phone call, but usually like the next morning. Oh well, they should have known, Christian, based on your purchase history, that you would not be buying an iPhone eight. Yeah, yeah. that should have been number one. Uh, excuse me, this person that owns this card would never make this purchase. There's no that, way. But I don't think that, the Popeyes would have a flag. <laughs> <laughs> Pop 50 bucks in Popeye's, us normal. The big issue there is I make a point of never stepping foot into the, the Bronx. I thought you were going to say Popeye's. Like, like oh, damn it, Chick fil A's the only place for me. He went to two bars and then he spent 50 on Popeye's. That sounds about right. Yeah. Well, if the purchase was after 2 a.m., $50 at Popeye's is not. Doesn't sound crazy. No. But anyway. Uh, speaking of speaking of New York and the Bronx, the uh, New York judge rules to uphold selfie ban in New York voting booths. Not really news because the ban has existed for 126 years, but needed to be reaffirmed after selfies ex- uh, came into existence. They had cameras back then. Not ones that you could be like, look at me voting against Donald Trump. Aren't I special? Ironically, not in the booth, but I seem to remember. There are tons of, like, old-timey photographs of people voting. Wait, wait, wait. Well, was that in... Was that... No, no, no. You can take photos of people voting, but you can't take a picture of yourself in the voting booth or of your ballot. Oh, okay. I like I like Eric's tangent there. Look at me voting against Donald Trump, and then it's like, hashtag NY, hashtag my vote doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag <laughs> resist. Uh, yeah. Such Ironically, they vote. cited the fact that Donald, Donnie's son, Eric, not me... Uh, who they called a New York voter, I am a New York voter, but I am not Eric Trump, uh, had tweeted a photo of his ballot on election day. I was hoping, hopefully that was this past primary election where he was voting against de Blasio, but it probably wasn't. <laughs> I kind of hope it was. I would love for that to, yeah, but no. No, uh, and uh, let's see, speaking of de Blasio, he was not invited to the Columbus Day Parade that happened today in the Bronx. Or, sorry, not in the Bronx, um... Was it I was in the say, Bronx? Why would you want to be invited to a Columbus Day Parade in the Bronx? No, it was, no, no, it was at Columbus Circle. And well, it was, yeah, obviously. Obviously, right. And then, well, there's I'll a big in, problem. I'll get indigenous all about this. Well, there's a problem with Columbus Day, as you know. And uh, the fact yeah, I don't that, care who gets indigenous. What? You, you're not caught up in pop culture, are you? It was South Park from last week, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. Yeah, okay. No. I was watching Nick Kroll's cartoon about boys going through puberty instead. That is also fantastic. It's also got girls in there, too. Yes, 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 yes. It's not just, like it's not just pedophilia, Christian. <laughs> no, in fact, in the last episode... They're teenagers, they not children, no. What? No, in the last episode, they make, make, they make a point to get around that entirely. Yeah, it was actually, it's actually an appealing show. It's called Big Mouth. Uh, as someone that has a big mouth, uh, it's called mm. Big Mouth on Netflix, and you should watch it. It has a bunch of interesting people from previous crawl adventures. But yeah, anyway, that's not the mayor not invited to Columbus Day uh, stuff. And it's really sad because you know he's going to win, and he's just not going to be invited to how many more of these? Five more of these? Ugh, don't remind me. So, you did you the vote on the primary? I am not a New York City voter. Oh, well then you can't be a New York City complainer. (laughs) 
That's not true. You know why I can't, though. I know why you can't, but that's, you know, then you can't complain about de Blasio if you can't vote for him. Bronx Columbus Day Parade marches with mayor not invited from New York 1. And yeah. So it wasn't the Bronx. It wasn't the Bronx. I was right. Uh, If you're not supporting our community, we're not going to stand behind you and support yours. But it's the Bronx. Why would you want to be invited? Because he's Italian, and Columbus was Italian, and somehow the Bronx get, gets... Actually, th- there's a, a strong argument that he was not actually Italian so much as he was living in Italy at the time. Wasn't he, um... Because his name was was uh, romanticized. It was something else. Wasn't he Sp- Spanish? Yes, there's, there's actually... A, Cristobal a, a, Colon, wasn't that him? And then there's he... a, Yes, there's a big argument that he was actually Spanish-born, but lives in, lived in Italy... And then went to the Spanish... Because uh, Spanish and Italian are the same language, so it makes perfect sense that you could just hop on over there. They are not. (laughs) Their vowels are totally different. Kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And we've done this before, but can anyone say what Columbus's three ships were named after? What they were named after? Ah, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Strippers. They were Spanish prostitutes. Wow, I was close. Yes. (laughs) Okay, well, Wait, I think who names their, uh, who who has the name Santa Maria as a prostitute? Santa Maria, that's a saint. That's Saint Maria. Then it's not a sin, Christian. It was ironic, like chastity. <laughs> <laughs> they had sense of the humor back then. Uh, that's funny. Okay, well, I think or we've done it a... with an eye. <laughs> they had no little John at the strip club, though. <laughs> Very good. All right. No, well, but they had uh, Eric's plus one music. Yes, well, that's that. Well, I'm saving that for later because, of course, it's time for our GitHub Issues of the Week. Our first GitHub Issue of the Week comes to us from not actually GitHub because I stole Boo. it from Christian. I'm sorry. Boo. I'm sorry. Boo. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I had to hijack it because there's something that's been going on in the Apple world recently that has, can't go unnoticed. This is a big issue from Apple. We're still using Apple. Yeah, and I'm about, and I, I my computer is, I need to, I need to new Apple stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> you might like this one, Christian. If macOS High Sierra, which is the newest version of macOS, it just came out. macOS High Sierra, which is also not what I said to my dog named Sierra when I was in uh, high school. Uh, uh, if macOS High Sierra shows your passport, uh, sorry, passport, shows your password instead of the password hint. For an encrypted APFS volume. So that's full disk encryption, encrypted file system, brand new file system, latest version of the OS, will show your password instead of the password hint. <laughs> Oops. How do you make all that up? How do you make all that code and then mess that part up? It's almost as bad as Apple's white space broke SSL bug. I mean, five, five bucks says that they they uh, have really bad variable name. Underscore hint. I'm sure that's what they capital H I N T. I'm sure well, it was just you know. So this was unrelated to the show, but I remember a while back, I sent you all of Apple's open source uh, kernel code. Okay. And I have not read at, it on the toilet. What? I said I have not read it on the toilet. Well, it looked actually pretty clean. In fact, it's got a weird amount of C plus plus for a kernel, but. What should it's it have? A, Just C? It's yeah, usually C. Interesting. Um, well, it looks like this looks like a uh, uh, and this looks like an issue that is particular to the latest version of, of Mac OS. So don't update until the point one release comes out. But 
Uh, I had to put this in because of the iOS 11, which did come out this week. Uh, I got the annoying prompts from my Apple devices that I've already started Wait, to work with. is this iOS or OS No, this X? is Mac OS. But the thing okay. is, is that, no, I'm saying this is right in there, right up there with iOS's doesn't actually turn off the radios when you tell them to turn off issue. What is mm. Apple doing? Actually, a lot of their brain power is being, uh, well, I wouldn't say stolen, but they're moving elsewhere. Uh, either into the open source world, or they've been. A lot of them are going to the uh, self-driving cars uh, yeah. industry. Yeah, which Apple has a self-driving car effort, but it's probably not that good. Well, like the guy who created LLVM, arguably one of the better compilers out there, uh, he's now at Tesla working in their self-driving car division. Cool. He was the one responsible for Clang, uh, X- the original Xcode IDE, all the way up to version eight. And um, a bunch of stuff. And now he's doing self-driving cars at Tesla. Cool. Well, Apple wants you, in order to fix this, they say update to macOS High Sierra, which if High Sierra shows your password, then you already have. Then back up, erase, and restore the encrypted APFS volume. (laughs) That's their fix. Thank you, Apple. All right, Christian. Did you try restarting it? (laughs) No. And now it's time for our next... GitHub Issue of the Week. Our second GitHub Issue of the Week, I also hijacked from Christian, I'm really sorry. It's about Xcode. Xcode 9 is unacceptable. I don't know where to start, but Xcode 9 is a total mess with countless bugs and performance performance issues. I, myself, the writer, reported seven bugs so far, seven bugs so far and there are many more to report, but I gave up. Uh, here are some of the bugs that he's reported. Uh, comparison view, Xcode 9, comparison view, scrolling issues. Uh, and just let me know if you want to drill down into one of these. Uh, Xcode 9, code folding does not work for some brackets. That's got to be annoying. Um, warnings not disappearing. That's also very annoying. Uh, Wait, I, that was an issue with Xcode all the way back in, like, version 5 or something. That's, that's not new. Okay. Uh, Xcode 9, document items menu is buggy. I'd like to see how they messed that one up since that seems like something that should have been, uh, you know, done a long time ago as I try to pull it up here. Uh, but you can't just Google Apple support and then the number, so we're not going to read it. Great. All right. Um, let's see. And uh, newly added files not added or staged to Git. And then he goes on with a rant about how Apple doesn't care about developers anymore. I mean, that last, that last issue. That last issue, though, that's very opinionated of whether you should do that or not. Newly added files not staged for Git? Yeah. Why is that? Because sometimes you just want to throw away a file that you don't want in Git. Gotcha. But if it's added, then you would want it. Yeah, so that'd be on you to add it, though. So that, that's the whole opinion. Do you want it automatically? Or do you want How about a preference? Well, yeah, that, that works. Problem too. solved. Okay. Yeah. Our actual next GitHub issue of the week. Our first real GitHub issue of the week comes to us from CertBot. I have a feeling that both of us tried to use this recently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> CertBot, Cert only command with Cert name flag still suffixes cert, uh, certificate domains. Oh, yeah, it does. With 001002, etc. Um, yep. Yeah, so let CertBot is the utility that lets encrypt users to install certificates somewhat automatically. 
Mm-hmm. And if done right, it just works, and you run it, and you just always runs. Right, but it doesn't but just work, it's cranky, and it doesn't just run all the time. Particularly if you have custom setup, if you don't have or C panel homogeneous thing. Well, C panel that that's your first problem, but uh, that's totally separate from Let's Encrypt. But C panel. Uh, you know, sometimes you want to have that custom path, and this code's enforcing that. What's interesting here too, though, is there's a PR that already got merged to remove this, but it's being shown again, so it's uh, pro- probably a regression. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything mm-hmm. else to add? Not, not particularly. Just, hey, got to watch out for this. Great. Okay, and our last... GitHub issue of the week. And I usually don't play the intro every time, but because there was the Apple and GitHub stuff, I wanted to break it up. Our last GitHub... Shit. Our last GitHub issue of the week comes to us from SystemD. Handling file systems that cannot be remounted. Okay. Sorry, I got pulled into... Did you hear the new season of Curb had started? That's what happened. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it yet. I've had a camera crew following me around for weeks. <laughs> you were wondering what that was about. <laughs> That's why the music just started playing as soon as I started complaining. I don't know. Uh, system D is an init system for Linux. Currently, it ships on all popular distributions. What's the problem? Uh, so there's certain file systems that can't be remounted. Like uh, mo- most common one would be your brutefs, but there are certain ways to do like uh, you mount a, a file system just for write once, and once you write the files to that file system, you want it to be read only. Huh? What what use is that? Like uh, BIOS is D. If you actually bootstrap bootstrapping a, a new OS, like say you're going from scratch and you just want to image your own file system, mm. and you want a particular uh, mount to be read only in there, but you still need to get files on there somehow, then you do the write once on this one particular OS, but then after that you don't want to you don't want that same OS that did the write. To be able to write to it again, and you don't want the new OS that you're bootstrapping to be able to write to it either. You want it to be read-only. Gotcha. So, system D just can't remount some of these file systems. This seems like another bug. Well, that no, it's been not solved. that they can't. They can't. It's not that they can't remount it. It's that it keeps on trying to remount it when it shouldn't. Ah. Why sh- shouldn't it? Just because the file system can't support it. Yeah, uh, well, because it's not intended to, but the way system D mounts work is that it's like, hey, you should always have this mount here. The right way to do that is if you're doing the write-only thing, well, in either case, really, you really shouldn't be using system D. It's more so the user wants to use system D, which could be nice. It's a nice, easy way to uh, do mounts as opposed to using, like, uh, the mount command or uh, using uh, your init ramfs. But init ramfs is really only for rootfs. Or you handle that with the kernel as a whole separate thing, but traditionally use init ramfs for the rootfs. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, anything to add with this? Uh, not particularly. Just um, nothing immediately clear as far as the solution, so uh, it'd be interesting to see what they come up with. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, you know, after we do these GitHub issues, it's time for our Plus Ones of the Week. I would like to just point out, though, this is our first week without a React issue. Oh. <laughs> that, wow. you know, that, okay. Is it actually, is it finished? Can we use it? Is it, is <laughs> it, is it actually done? Is it no, actually? I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are issues. I just didn't look this week. Well, okay. Well, the next week, 
you can find some for us. Or we, we might uncover some using them, using React this week. Who knows? We'll find out. But of course, uh, like I was saying, after our GitHub issues, we always have our plus ones of the week. That's right. Our pull request plus ones are when we sell out our, send out our well wishes and acknowledgments of awesomeness to people and other organizations. Who's our first plus one this week, Tyler? This week's plus one is Microsoft. Microsoft. For why? Microsoft has ushered in the age of mixed reality this month. It actually dubbed it the era of mixed reality, and it's beginning this month. Uh, their new uh, mixed reality headset is coming out, hitting the market. Pretty exciting. They've also just purchased all space VR. So they're just going head on into VR right now. That's great. Yeah, I think, big things uh, to come. What was that? Big things to come. Yeah, I, and I think this is really, you know, like we started. We've been starting these shows yelling at Apple. Microsoft is getting uh, is getting accolades. I can't believe it. Yeah, they're just going to pick up the slack where Apple's going to leave off since they're not touching it yet. Yeah, and Satya has been doing a great job uh, steering the ship. Yeah, and they can see from the mistakes that Oculus already made. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, and then uh, number Who's two next? goes to uh, Mozilla. Uh, Mozilla announced that they were giving they're giving out over half a million dollars in support of open source projects. Nice. How do yeah. they have money? I have no idea. Uh, research grants. Uh, some people just donate. Oh. Well, that's good that they've got enough to spare to where they can uh, donate some to the open source cause. Yeah, they can't keep their browser up to speed, but actually, have oh, you used actually, the Firefox they got a new developer edition? Out. Oh, they do have a yeah. new one coming out. With, it's a rendering engine built in Rust, so that should be really cool, actually. Ooh, excited for that. And there is a new web browser we'll talk about in a minute called Brave that is supposed to be super quick, but that's only because of Netscape Syndrome. But we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. <laughs> Your next plus one goes to... Indigenous Peoples. Okay. <laughs> As, uh, like we said, there's no point in celebrating Columbus, so let's give them a shout-out. And uh, we're sorry about what happened to you. It sucks. We wish that didn't happen. Cool. Perfect timing. <laughs> yes, and All then, right. uh, of course, like we mentioned before uh, about indigenous people, that our mayor was not invited to the Columbus Day Parade because he wanted to call it Indigenous People's Day. Something. See, as a politician, you do fall into this trap where there's no right answer. Because he wants to appease the people that want to call it, you know, that re- realize the horrors of Columbus and the, you know, well, and, and, and all I, of that. I think... I think the right way to go about this is just don't be a butt. Don't be a what? A butt. Don't be a butt. Okay. Yeah. Words to live by. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Into the block. Well, be a butt, but when it's appropriate. Oh, there you go. Uh, into the block of segments that don't exactly have theme music. I mean, I guess, of course, we could use Tyler's. Uh... Coming up oh. next, more Mac malware than ever. With Destiny on deck. Destiny. Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria. Remember to tip your <laughs> With Nina, Pinta, Santa Maria. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the latest figures from security firm Malwarebytes have shown that the Macintosh faced, faces more malware threats than ever before. The company surveyed millions of users around the world and found that more Mac malware was detected in Q2 2017 than in all of 2016 
and that more malware families have been detected in the eight months of 2017 than in any other previous year. Mac malware sounds like a robot rapper. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Mac threats are not taken seriously enough in the cybersecurity community today. Uh, that's because that's because of what something we always talk about. The Macintosh is only more perceived as more secure because of its market share and not because of its actual security. Are you doing air quotes? Yes. Well, I, I mean, no. That. Actually, I was doing boldface for emphasis because the Macintosh was only not targeted because it was only a few computers. But now that they've actually achieved some sort of tipping point they are they have re- reached some sort of volume that makes them good bait for malware and because they haven't spent 10 years embarrassing themselves like microsoft has cleaning up their mess i don't know it might be uh, it might be pandora's box that we're starting to open nice can you say that for no, us in your nice. old-timey jewish accent what was can that you, can you say that phrase in your old-timer jewish accent the- what phrase it might be Pandora's box that we're going to open. Like it might be box. Pandora's box that we open. Yeah. Like, even older. Like, with the Pandora's wait, wait, boxes. Wait, wait, someone that is knew pa- Pandora? Is Pandora's box <laughs> in the place <laughs> where, the Nina, where, where Nina, Pinta, and the Santa Maria work? Uh... Oh. Nice. It's like a Greek strip club. <laughs> For, like a Greek <clears throat> strip club in old-time Spain. Or Italians, though. I don't know if they would let that... Anyway, um... Malwarebytes is releasing a Macintosh version of their uh, scanner, their malware scanner and malware destroyer, uh, in January. And it will be free. Nice. Uh, yeah. That will be, yes. And, excuse me, I'm cracking up over here. It's, uh, it's important because, like I said, it's only, it was only a matter of time before the Macintosh was targeted in mass, and now it is. Uh, let's see. Now we can't we, just safely browse porn on Macs anymore. No, now I really do have to get that Ubuntu VM going. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's hear about our big exploit for the week. Did it just start raining? Wow. I don't know what happened. Our big exploit for this week is from Poplar. Wasn't that... Oh, jeez. Wasn't that what they ate in Futurama? Yep. What what is Poplar? Poplar is a library in a lot of Unix-based OSs that is used for um, rendering PDFs. Oh. Most commonly in Ubuntu and Debian. Gotcha. Other, uh, even non-Linux things like you can use Poplar in BSD-based um, OSs. So it's just a way to render PDFs. Yep. And they have yep. a floating point exception. Yep. And is image interpolation required? If that is a floating point number, instead of a one or a zero, then it has a problem? No, that's not. No, it's not. What is it? Uh, Well, I don't see the actual code anywhere, which is a little frustrating, but... um... Yeah, I don't see the actual popular code in the board. But uh, with the um, uh, image interpolation, uh, images often have floating point uh, uh, um, calculations involved. Oh, okay, yeah. Makes sense. And... Let's see. Can I find the source code? 
Oh, found a commit. Let's see where it takes me. <laughs> Should we put on oh, some... Launch pad. Ooh, that is old. And, uh, kind of music can we use for this? While Christian surfs the internet to find our uh, 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 elusive source code, I'm playing this music and talking over him to not have dead air on the air. Well, I'm not, I'm not finding any source code. I'm okay. just finding a bunch of That's fine. We can talk about something else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was a good exploit if, I, if we had a clue of what it was. Oh. So we did, by the way, we did forget uh, the conferences this week. Oh! Yeah. Hey! There were conferences. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, didn't even, I just scrolled right past that. Uh, geez. Well, if we rewind the tape and go to the top of the show, but that was too long ago. Uh, all right, Christian, you went to a conference, VelocityCon. Yep. What was that? Yeah, it's one of our rally's bigger conferences. It's uh, right here in New York. It was on 53rd Street. Did they teach you how to rewrite your front end in six weeks? Uh, no, oddly enough, that wasn't one of the focuses. In fact, there was no front-end talks at all. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. One of the keynotes was a designer, but she was, her argument was, but, well, her presentation was a bit more about practice. So, like, every, her thing was, everybody's a designer. And no! 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 Not, no! not in a literal sense. No! Not in a literal no! sense. No! No! Not everybody's a graphic designer. No! But you can be a designer. No! But the way you write I your back end... No! The okay, way you so. write your back end also has UX uh, impact. Yeah, and, that's, and that makes a lot of sense that leads to crappy interfaces with people that don't care about design. Eric, your finger paints aren't special. Everyone's a designer. Shut up, Tyler! <laughs> <laughs> I have a special finger paint. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, and uh, so this one uh, uh, professor from uh, Carnegie Mellon gave a, a Carnegie talk on Mellon. this. The, they say Carnegie at the, at the school. Well, in, in, but, at the um, school, in, I know it's, Car- it's I know Carnegie. Carnegie is the person, but and the, they say the, Carnegie the, Mellon. If you're not, not in Pittsburgh, but uh, anyway, Carmen Jello. The, the, the presentation, <laughs> Carmen Jello. But uh, the, the presentation was on this project actually created at Facebook called Infer, which is designed to use static analysis to detect bugs before you actually run into them. Pre-crime for code. Yeah. Pre-bugs. It is uh, that Tom Cruise movie, which I'm gonna call it Minority Report. That is yep. 14 years old. Yeah, and that, I saw that, that in. Uh, where is Middletown? What county is that in? I, I, I don't know. Like, is that Orange County? No. Uh, I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> oh yeah, it says the person from Long Island. Uh, These days, Minority Report is going to be Trump's uh, Muslim. It is in Orange County. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, a lot of cool talks, a lot of cool people there. Um, people are doing really cool stuff. Uh, cool. A lot of research-oriented talks, actually. That was cool. Any interesting research going on? Um, so this one guy at Two Sigma was presenting on his time series built on top of Spark that allowed him to query 20 years of data. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you and I are working on a time series database right now that's filling up disk space every few weeks. How, how, does that, how much <laughs> disk space does his 20 years of data take on? Well, he's working at Two Sigma, so the question is, how, many? What, what, how much space can you get with infinity dollars? Oh, infinity space. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there is a Grace Hooper conference in Orlando. Grace Hopper. Hopper. Who's Grace yeah. Hopper? She was the woman responsible for writing the code for the Apollo 11. Oh! 
Yeah. Was it a conference for her? Or was it just a, was she there? It is a conference for women in tech. Great. Uh, my my company had to be happened to be there uh, doing uh, some recruit. And recruiting. as a woman in technology, did you go? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I, I was at Velocity the same day. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. And then there was IP Expo in London, which is uh, interesting because it's uh, just kind of like a general like cloud and internet uh, t- uh, talks. And isn't there uh, the next web's coming up uh, sometime soon? I saw the Facebook ads for it. I believe so. And then AWS reInvent uh, next month. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that ne- uh, then. But yeah. uh, let's see. All right, we talked about ransomware. We talked about or malware. We talked about uh, big exploit. It's time for something that we do every week. Speaking about women it. in technology, one of them is trying to ruin technology with Theresa May moderating the internet. And she tried again this week. You need Actually, like a howling witch cackle with that. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, to exactly. Uh, well, I also wouldn't really call her a woman in tech. That's kind of offensive to everyone in tech. No, she is a woman who is in technology right now, uh, because she's, she's trying, trying to, to uh, end. She's, to she's working with encryption, Christian. I mean, if she is she's a trying woman, to stick she her dick in technology. She's, 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 she's not. working. Excuse me. She is a woman working in cryptography right now. She is not working in cryptography. She is working to, to dismantle cryptography. Is that not in it? No, that is not working in it. That, that is. is st- you have to work in it no. to dismantle it. She's not working in it. She's not working with it. She's Why do you hate women in technology, Christian? I love women in technology. I don't think so, because don't you don't even like want Theresa to say May. that Theresa May is in technology. Well, she's trying she's to ruin the whole effing internet. I thought internet. like saying that Donald Trump is in technology because he tweets dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, He's not in technology. Yeah, that, you know, that's actually, that's right. That's exactly the same metaphor that I'm using. So... <laughs> <laughs> I love metaphors. So, uh, yeah, so uh, not exactly Theresa May, but her home secretary, Amber Rudd, has called out end-to-end encryption services like WhatsApp. They keep using that one because that was behind the attack on London Bridge, which didn't fall down that night, but many people fell down on it, uh, that they claimed that they are being used. Now, they've added a new word to this. Instead of just terrorists, now it's also terrorists and pedophiles. Because if it doesn't tug on, if terrorism doesn't tug on your heartstrings enough, also pedophilia will. Haven't we been down this road ten years ago? This is what they did with Bush. Try not to curse, because I'm getting wound up. But like, they did the same. Them Terry's glances. They did the same stuff under Bush with the Usually we have with the Patriot Act and the, and the snooping. What? Usually not a lot of Bush involved in pedophilia. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I really like watching her box. That means two things. I gotta cut that down. <laughs> I gotta cut that no, down. No, that was perfect. Um, as she says, and I won't do the accent, I do not accept that it is right that companies should allow them and other criminals to operate beyond the reach of law enforcement. Like what, politicians? And bankers? Uh-oh. We must re- require the industry to move faster, faster, and more aggressively. They have the resources, the and there must the be greater yeah. urgency. Rudd reportedly added. If it's a quote, I believe she said it. Uh, uh, Asked about her understanding of technology at the Conservative Party conference, Rudd came out with this gem, quote, I don't need to understand how encryption works to understand how it's helping the criminals. I will engage with the security services to find the best way to combat that. Now, should I throw my iPad out the window and we just stop doing this podcast because these are the people that will always be in charge? I mean, 
I don't need to understand how encryption works so I can dismantle it. Yes, you do, because the reasons why- I'm, I'm arguing with myself. Why don't you fill it in, Christian? You've done that multiple times this episode. Yeah, but I'm trying to be more diverse. It's not just my show, it's our show. When you fight yourself, do you use the same fighting style as yourself? No, because I no, have to no, trick I, I, my... I he's to... kind of like a, the Schmeagel and Gollum argument, where it's like he literally switches sides of where he's sitting to talk back and forth. I can see him slap-fighting himself. I hit myself with a mean right hook, even though I'm a lefty, so that, does that answer your question, Tyler? I don't want to hear about your masturbation techniques. Uh, <laughs> that would be a good one. Um, anyway. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, they clearly don't understand it. But the thing is, is that she issue. needs to understand it. Can't she get with the top minds in the UK, have a meeting, have them sit her down, and mansplain to her how encryption works? They're British. They can't be top minds. She doesn't know anything about the internet. They're going to have to start with, like, AOL. No, come th on. This is, br this is Britain. On. Their definition of the internet is two phones. Who cracked the Enigma that code? Was that person uh, British? They, oh, oh, yes. Yeah. The, okay, the person who created computers is British, and he was a genius. And, there was, I, and I arguably, one of the people who created television heroes. might have also been British, but no, that, that story no, is told that, differently on our side of the pond. But the but I'm saying that as far as the internet goes, that's a very American concept, even though we have one of the worst internets in the country. But that's because we had the first one. I don't. That's another BS argument. Anyway, the point is, is that there are many politicians in America, in the U.S., that don't understand how encryption works, and they also want to do the same thing. You think that anyone in Congress isn't going to say terrorists and pedophiles are not using encryption, or using encryption, sorry, to, to get beyond the reach of law enforcement, while politicians are asking themselves, how do I do that? So, I don't. What this do? What this do? I want to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Beyond the reach of law enforcement. Wow, I should... I mean, this is bad, but I should really... Look at, look at this. Anyway, so, moving on. I agree moving with Moving on. Uh, let's see. Uh, there was one other gem from this, um, gangsters and pedophiles operate outside of the law. Uh, where is it? Child exploitation... Oh, the what WhatsApp spokesperson said... Uh, child exploitation has absolutely no place on our service, which is why we work with law enforcement to identify these accounts and block them. But of course, they can only be blocked if they're found, they can only be found if they're decrypted, they can't be decrypted without the keys. So, are they telling the truth? Or is this some legalese to let them kind of slip through the cracks? I, I don't know, I... Who knows if they have a filter running in their, you know, back service that looks for shit like get in my van. Well, and that's the and that's the thing is that the only alternative to this is a back door, and you know, someone in and countless people shouldn't say someone, countless people in government don't see the problem with back doors, even though. We, of course, even on this show, not just us complaining about it, we talked about the guy that 3D printed the TSA master keys from photos published on the Washington Post. That was good. Right. You're going to tell me that they can keep master keys under lock? No? Come on. Huh. On computers that still run DOS? Mm. Are you kidding me? Mm. Anyway. Uh, moving on, but staying in the wonderful world of England... Uh, Transport for London, which is a much nicer way of saying their MTA, uh, has given Wi-Fi to all of their passengers in all of their stations, like we have in New York. But uh, I don't know if the MTA is doing this. They should take a heed from London. Lond Transport for London are selling the Wi-Fi data that they collect from their subscribers. Let's hear it 
from our news department. Ah. Nobody on presents news to you. London, England. On trains, people are left to their own devices. Luckily, many of their own devices now have Wi-Fi provided by your transit authority. Whether it's the New York Metropolitan Transit Authority or Transport for London, its English counterpart. Transport for London, however, has made a new way to monetize your data. They've, cre- they've made £322 million, pounds, or $420 million, dollars by tracking you and your data throughout the two. While they say the data is anonymized, it can only be so anonymous whilst remaining monetizable for data-sniffing agencies and servers around the world. And so many Americans are afraid of what happens next. We at least know the world still turns and the truth marches on. And that's why this has been News to You. Brought to you by Pneumonia. I think we should all just use secure one internet providers. I think that's what Steve Gibson does. From uh, Security Gibson. Now, uh, Twit Podcasts, This Week in Tech. Coined the term spyware. He is someone, Christian, that you would really like. He loves writing assembly... He still writes, you know, he, he has this program that he wrote 30 years ago that's still basically his bread and butter called uh, SpinWrite that fixes... Well, that's uh, a security guy in a nutshell. He, yeah, he, that fixes and recovers data from mechanical hard drives. It doesn't work on Macintoshes, but he's released a version that will work on both Macs and SSDs. Anyway, uh, yeah. Where was I going with him? Oh, yeah, he... Anyway. You guys are going I'm, on a date next week. Going, oh, yeah, we're going on a date next week, even though he's thrice my age, but it's okay. Uh, You've always yeah. old dudes. So, uh, Transport for London, uh, monetizing people's Wi-Fi data. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I'm sure the MTA should do that while also raising fares because they can't get enough money from us. But, um... Transport for London made 322 million pounds, or 420 million dollars. And I lost money? a dollar by betting that Tyler would make a comment about $420 million, but that's fine. Um, uh, I know. Because you don't have a pot-related funny clip to me, so. What was that? You don't have a pot-related clip, like an audio clip? Oh. Yeah. No, I don't, but for, anyway. I told you you had uh, Tommy Chong on there last time, didn't I? I don't know. Anyway, uh... Uh, say the let's see. Uh, a security researcher told Sky News that Transport for London don't seem to understand what anonymized actually means in data protection terms. While the pilot program was running, excuse me, the data was merely pseudo anonymized while retaining the technical capacity of easily combining this, this data with external data sets. Like I said in my report, the anonymous data can only be so anonymous in order to rem- remain monetizable. So. They're not, they're not saying, they're not, they can't do a blanket, oh, it's completely safe and secure, you'll never know. No, you probably can be linked to you in some way. Right, Christian? Sure. Yeah, I hope these Bitcoin articles don't go like that. I doubt they're cleaning all the data. I'm sure, like, if you traverse a lot of sites and log in and log out and stuff, like, your email's gonna pop up. I mean, you can get a ton of, uh, you can get a ton of information out of just packet filtering and sort of. And that's what they're doing. And they're selling metadata and other things, and it's probably not actually anonymized. Like the security researcher told Sky News. So. Okay, well, while Christian's in the bathroom, or whatever he's doing, let's move on to continue our discussion about cryptocurrency. 
the brand new currency of the 21st century. Uh, even though we're an hour into the show already. Nice. Uh, let's see. Yeah, too, yeah, too much too, Equifax stuff. Well, I mean, Equifax is something that hasn't, it just keeps going. It's like, it's like an ulcer. And it just, mm-hmm. every day, it's just like, it's still here. Oh my god. I'm just not interested in like, trying to How fight, your figure personal out who did it, you know? It's not like a screwed. rabbit hole. It's just not a rabbit hole that I think has a interesting surprise at the end. It's not like that. In, well, you sh- you shouldn't do the usual, uh, you know, pay attention for a week and then don't give a shit afterwards, Tyler, because this is your personal information. That's I know. Same. I just I just want to know how my personal information can be secure, and I just don't care who well, did it. Well, it can't. At the end of the day, I don't care why. I don't, just don't use the internet if that. you want your personal information to be secure. You know, not even then, well, because I know the people that, that use Swanson. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, even then, because the people who use credit cards at Target, they Throw got your hacked. money in gold, bury it in the woods, and <laughs> live in a log cabin. Yeah. Indian house ha- on top of that. No one will know. Indian hair tampons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So last week or two weeks ago, rather, we talked about Bitcoin and how Bitcoin and blockchain cryptocurrencies and how cryptocurrency in general works and how it's different from regular fiat currency. They're both fiat currencies, but it's just the supply is limited, it's decentralized, and it's entirely online. Now, because, even though Bitcoin is decentralized, I shouldn't say because, uh, but because of the sort of centralized market nature that we have in society, uh, numerous Bitcoin exchanges have opened up, which is kind of antithetical to the premise of Bitcoin, where it's just supposed to be peer-to-peer, and it's just all not exchanged. Uh, what are you typing there, Christian? Sorry, important stuff. You know, the cool thing about your mechanical keyboard is I could hear all of it on the show. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was really important. Um, let's see. Uh, so, uh, we, uh, anyway, now that I lost my train of thought thanks to Christian. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about because cryptocurrency... Because cryptocurrency in general is really blossoming. What's happening is I'm like a Larry David werewolf. And whenever it gets after 10 o'clock, it just starts coming out of me. And I just, all of a sudden, the music starts playing and I just start complaining. I don't know. You're a werewolf. Yeah, a werewolf. There you go. Anyway, um, so cryptocurrency in general is blossoming, or you could say bubbling. And uh, it's starting to affect... Other industries around the world. Uh, Tyler, you found a nice article about how uh, the blockchain and blockchain technology is empowering driverless cars. Do you want to talk about that? That's right, Eric. That's right. You want some music? Uh, I don't think we need music. Okay. Uh, the Toyota Research Institute um, had come up with a plan in uh, collusion with MIT. And what they're going to do is they're going to use the blockchain, which the Bitcoin runs off of, and is a good way to like sh- uh, share secure information uh, amongst the whole group. Um, and they're going to use that to pass on data between a bunch of different uh, driverless cars, so that they can just improve driverless car driving uh, in general. And then uh, insurance companies will be able to check that out and use that to set insurance rates for the driverless cars. Oh, are they using the Open Database Project for this? I am not certain. Because uh, of velocity, one of, this, one of the keynotes was given by this uh, MIT professor, or just PhD rather, who uh, she was speaking of using blockchain as a way to do distributed databases across different organizations. But so how? I, share data. 
How? Isn't it just a yeah, way just, of synchronizing data across servers? You write a lot right, of code. But then you then you have data. You can select uh, this is data only one organization can see or everyone can see. It's it's similar to using a regular database, but it's just a matter of it's also designed to have private and public parts of it. I just don't understand how so many things can be transformed between with this blockchain stuff, where it's just basically a ledger of what you've done, and it's publicly available, and it's encrypted and distributed. What more do you want? You can share a whole bunch of stuff with the whole community that way safely. You can make sure no one fudges with it. Is that it? Christian, am I missing anything? Uh, let me... Uh, I'm a little confused by what you were saying. So I'm so... Sum it up in like one sentence. That I'm, I'm, I'm confused and in how industries are being disrupted by the blockchain. And I just keep seeing the blockchain everywhere when it is something that's really simple. It's just Blockchain is just a way of distributing da- data that is different than uh, traditional models. But it's not even its own protocol, is it? It's, it's like it, this. Imagine, it if, imagine if Wikipedia had a secure factor so that someone couldn't just go and change it and that all the data would be corrupted. Right. The whole oh, community can see so all the data, of, but we know it's not highest, with. So at it also the highest level, uh, that's correct. Okay. There's the technical details that make it much more like it's like distributed graph. Gotcha. Well, then I ask this because there are various other industries that are being affected by the blockchain. But first, Tyler, are you? Is that all you have to say about uh, Toyota? Yep. Great. Uh, but there are other industries that are being affected by blockchains, like banking. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> cryptocurrency, but what a surprise. Uh, Swiss, Bank, Swiss Bank UBS and UK-based Barclays are both experimenting with blockchain as an easy way to expedite back office functions and settlement, with some in the banking industry, uh, say, could cut up to $20 billion in middleman costs. Payments and money transfers. Cybersecurity. Uh, though blockchain's ledger is public, its data communications are sent and verified using advanced cryptographic techniques, ones that Miss May and Miss Rudd want to make illegal. Ensuring that data is coming from the correct sources and nothing is intercepted in the interim. Uh, education and academia. That's a new one. Uh, by nature, academic credentials must be universally recognized and verifiable. Okay. So your resume could be, or your CV could be in blockchain. Very interesting. Uh, voting. Your whole voting record could be a blockchain, which... I guess if you're the only person who can decrypt it, that's probably fine. And it makes sure that everyone actually voted properly and that there's none of this funniness behind electronic voting. Uh, car leasing and car sales. Wow. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, how did, well, what, is, what makes sense about that? Oh, just the histories? Know, if the car just shows up on the market... And then it was gone for two years before. No one can explain. Oh yeah, it. It was you see probably the whole stolen. Right. Visa partnered with transaction management startup DocuSign on a proof of concept project that used blockchain to streamline car leasing, transforming it into a click sign and drive process. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, your, the rest of your data is already <laughs> out in the open, so they can just get it. You don't have to fill in anything. Yeah, thank you, Equifax. <laughs> Thanks, Equifax. You know, we got our credit score just by uh, the newspaper, just right there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, networking and IoT, that kind of makes sense. Uh, forecasting, with this website that looks like a- Airbnb, but it's called Augur, A-U-G-U-R. Okay, um, but what are see. the pioneers 
of web technology doing with it? What are the real heroes going to do? The uh, guys that make the porn, porn sites. Yeah. What are they going to do? Blockchain porn. Exactly. How is this going to make porn better for me? Uh, Wait, they can single sign on. L-A-G-E-R, like beer lager? What? Augur. A-U-G-U-R. And the website's .io? Uh, no, hold on. It is... Where is it? Augur.net. Oh, because the .io place I've, I've come across before, they have a no. really cool uh, Airbnb This process. looks like they just copied... I mean, this is probably a Squarespace site, but it looks like they've copied Airbnb. Uh... Let's. Well, because the dot, the dot .io is also a tech startup, but they make you interview entirely through a uh, bash session. That's pretty huh. smart. I, I would fail, but that's pretty smart. <laughs> that's why it's pretty smart, because I would fail. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's see. Where did my uh, my thing go? Uh, man, that wasn't Between targeting. Legs, was blank. <laughs> or is it? Uh, oh. Let's see. Music, entertainment, rights, and IP. So DRM, basically. Uh, British blockchain startup Jack, J-A-A-K, has plans to work with music rights holders and other entertainment industry stakeholders. Jack, which provides an operating system for content, is developing a platform that allows media owners to convert their repository of media, metadata, and rights into, quote, smart content that can self-execute licensing transactions on the Ethereum blockchain. And we mentioned that Ethereum is distinct from Bitcoin and that Ethereum is made to be open source and it's made to have kind of a platform to be used. As Bitcoin a... is also open source, though. Well, then what is the difference? Why is Ethereum much more accessible than Bitcoin? Because Bitcoin's being regulated. Uh, they're regulating cryptocurrencies. They're not just regulating Bitcoin. No. Ethereum's different. Move on. No, but everything about Ethereum, it, talk, it stresses this platform and community and open source and sharing and... That's not exactly what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is also open source, but it doesn't have this uh, open sharing. Gotcha. Uh, whatever. Uh, ride sharing. Speaking of open sharing. Uh, I guess, uh, let's see. Startup Arcade City facilitates all transactions through a blockchain system. That makes sense. Uh, stock trading. Real estate. Insurance. Healthcare. Supply chain management. How much longer is this list? You're starting to sound like the guy on Forrest Gump. <laughs> Cloud storage, <laughs> energy management, Trip and if you apply within standing. the next 30 seconds... Oh, no, uh, that was... No, that was... Uh, sports management and accounting. Uh, wow, so there's a lot of off every industry ever. Actually, they are pretty much listing every industry. Retail, charity, <laughs> law enforcement, human resources, business and corporate governance, credit histories, 3D printing. Okay. And the obituaries. list goes on. Obituaries. <laughs> obituaries would be a great... Actually, a great use for blockchain because they write themselves. What? Uh, I'm just naming fun industries. Oh, not fun, but yeah. okay. You want? Here's a here's another list. Uh, eight things cryptocurrency currency crypto. <laughs> eight Spanish. things cryptocurrency enthusiasts <laughs> probably won't tell you. I'm Scott Malkinson. I've got lisp and diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, despite the hundreds of millions of dollars raised by VCs and over a couple billion, I need some kind of animation for this. Let's do a music. Despite the hundreds of millions of dollars raised by VCs over a cup and a couple billion dollars raised through initial coin offerings in the past year or so, not one entity has been created by the community with the power or moral authority to rid the space of bad apples and criminals. What, where is the regulatory equivalent of FINRA for cryptocurrencies? 
FINRA is an acronym that I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, Financial Ind- Industry Regulatory Agency. Um, uh, uh, part is because of some of the elements in the community enable bad actors like... Uh, uh, this is done in small cases by providing getaway car- cars like coin mixers, but also in other cases with a wink and a nod as much of the original Bitcoin infrastructure was set up and co-opted by Bitcoiners themselves. There are many examples, used, including the DAO, I don't know what that is, but the SEC, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission, already did a good dressing down of the DAO, and so did its look of, B- of BTCE, which is the, uh, wow, I thought I had this ready. What is BTCE, Christian? It's the Bitcoin exchange. Right. So... Uh, anyway, uh, the Bitcoin exchange is a ma- oh oh it says it right here. It's a major Europe-based exchange that has allegedly laundered billions of U.S. dollars over its span of six years. Its, ele- it's, it's alleged operator Alexander Vinnick stands accused of receiving and laundering some of the ill-gotten gains from the once one of the Mt. Gox hacks. Uh, oh, through one of the Mt. Gox hacks, which it had hacked many times. Uh, let's see. BTCE would later go on to be a favorite piece of ransomware author uh, ransomware authors to what? This was not read after they wrote it. BTCE was la- would later go on to be a favorite place for ransomware authors to liquidate the ransoms of data kidnapping victims. Here are eight suggested areas for further investigation that are other types of exchanges that may have been co-opted. One of them is called Bitfinex. The Hong Kong-based cryptocurrency exchange has been hacked multiple times, most recently 400 days ago. So over a year ago, and $65 million worth of Bitcoin were stolen. However, that amount has changed since this was written. Uh, Let's see. There's uh, This is a long article. Uh, There's uh, ransomware, Ponzi's, zero-fee, and AML-less exchanges. Uh... Uh, let's see. You know what? This reco- this is too in and out. I'm going to skip this article. I'm sorry. Uh, it was too much. It's too in-depth. Without really... Too many... I don't know. Right? <laughs> Next. Next. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Spoofy. Spoofy, not Spotify, Spoofy is a regular trader, or a group of traders, that function primarily on Bitfinex, the, in, the exchange we just talked about, uh, and in a limited fashion on some other exchanges who engage in the following process. And these are how a small group of people can dominate exchanging a decentralized currency, even though these exchanges are por- points of centralization. Anyway. Oh, you accidentally said porn. I did say porn. I was hoping that you wouldn't catch that. Uh, anyway, here's what they do. They place large bids of $2 million and up for Bitcoin, usually just under a smaller bid order, only to remove them once someone starts to sell. These orders usually have a lifetime of minutes, or sometimes as short as 5 to 10 seconds, to manipulate the price up. Well, that's longer than McDonald's had the Szechuan sauce today. Oh, we forgot to talk about that. Hold on. We'll save that for <laughs> after this. Uh, so, they, so they place large bids, $2 million and up, for Bitcoin. Then they place large asks, also for $2 million and up, for Bitcoin when he wants the price to go down or to stop going up. Um, occasionally, Spoofy will allow orders deep in the order books to remain for a few hours, usually $50 to $100 below the current price. 
For example, during the recovery above 2000, he had roughly, and they say he, but it might be a group of people. We could say they, we don't know their, their gender. Uh, they had roughly 4,000 BTC of false orders in the range of 1900 uh, that were unlikely to execute and ultimately never were. And what is spoofing? Uh, spoofing is placing orders for which you have no intent on allowing to execute. So you're spoofing the stock market, basically. And not stock market, but uh, exchange, crypto, ah, cryptocurrency exchange. It's pretty wild. <clears throat> the goal of spoofing is to send false signals to other traders that they will act upon. Placing a large bid may indicate bullishness, causing traders to close short positions and even presumably buy Bitcoin. You can profit from this by placing asks for your own Bitcoin, then send false signals for bullishness, and more people close short positions by buying your Bitcoin you have on ask orders. So, you, pri you place an ask for your own Bitcoin, which should not be allowed, and then you send false signals, which you just talked about, by placing large bids. And, uh... And then people close shorts because they think that it's the that it's bullish. It's going up, and uh, you're not going to make money on a short if it goes up, and so you're effectively spoofing the market. You can also do the opposite. You can place large asks indicating bearishness, as in the market's going down, and then you and you cause people to close long positions, perhaps also into your buy orders. Spoofing, this by the way, is illegal. It was made illegal. During that goddamn Obama's administration in 2010, under uh, the Dodd Frank law. Wasn't this a plan uh, regarding the stock market in one of those Adam West Batmans with the penguin? <laughs> Possibly, but this is what's actually happening on cryptocurrency exchanges right now. So, uh, and because Bitcoin too. exchanges are largely unregulated, they don't really, no, no, no one's really getting caught by doing this. It's like Wolf I of said. Wall Street too. Yeah. Well, like Big I said, this would be, instead of the Wolf of Wall Street, this would be the Bitch of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. On the heels of that, Bitcoin has been, has been dead, declared dead. Bitcoin has died 172 times. But yet, it's also never been higher. It's also, we're in a giant bubble, it's going to explode. How can both be true? Let's pick one of these random... Deaths. How? What do you think about? Uh, Bitcoin is a fraud. Wolf of Wall Street. John Belfort proclaims. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a. Um, well, here's what they're doing. Fraud. This website called 99bitcoins.com. They have every one of these Bitcoin. I got has, 99 problems in a Bitcoin. Okay, right. They, let me finish the sentence, please. They have all these articles on how Bitcoin has died next to the price for one Bitcoin. The latest one, American SEC begins purge of cryptocurrencies by targeting Bittrex. Bitcoin price, 441798 Uh The one that I read earlier, Bitcoin of fraud, says the Wolf of Wall Street, that was Bitcoin at $3,922. Uh, earlier than that, Bitcoin to zero when it was at 3700 I mean, you, you can keep going. What Bitcoin isn't when it was at $4,100 in uh, earlier this year? Uh... Bitcoin, a textbook example of investing psychology. That doesn't necessarily... I, however, remain unconvinced. The blockchain will certainly change the world, but cryptocurrencies, not so much. Okay. Uh, and it goes on, for uh, on and on and on, for nine pages. On and on and on. 
Uh, here. Game over, Bitcoin. This is from 2013. Game over, Bitcoin. Where's the next human-based digital currency? When Bitcoin was at $122. Was it $122? <laughs> oh. Was it 600 last year, like the whole year? Ah, uh, such a stupid. Huh. Okay, mm. anyway. Uh, moving on. Uh... Bitcoin is basically tulip mania. In the, I think it was the 17th century? In the 17th century, in Holland. Say, well, look what happened. All of a sudden, I start talking, and then the card music turns on. And I just, I don't know what to say other than the fact I have to turn it off. What happens is my, I, I keep grazing the edge of my iPad with my shirt. And somehow that turns on the music. Anyway. Uh, tulip mania was something that came out of the Netherlands in the 17th century, and it was the first uh, speculative bubble. And tulip prices went through the roof, and then, they, and then the bubble burst, and, it was, and then they crashed. It was pretty simple. Uh, I don't know exactly why people liked tulips, but uh, the tulip bulbs... Uh, really spiked, and they should, here's a graph. I mean, herbs and spices were commodities back then. Yeah, yeah, especially from the Netherlands. Uh, from November, okay, from 1636 to 1637, really from November 12th to May 1st, so that's like six months, the price went from zero to 100 to 120 to 175, all the way up to 200 on February 3rd. And then on February 3rd to February 5th to February 9th, it had a steep fall, and then it crashed on May 1st. And this is the first bubble in recorded history. Yeah, the same thing happens with avocados in California. That's funny. Hmm. <laughs> the point that I'm making, though, is that is Bitcoin just tulip mania? Let's have a look. Probably not. Well, I mean, I don't know, because this is, it basically just says, is it a bubble? That's yeah, the whole but question. tulips weren't, you know, a disruptive brand new piece of technology. But the people did go broke buying tulips in the 17th century. That's the, th the thing. Uh, yeah. Tulips grow from bulbs and can be propagated through both or whatever. Uh, where is this? I think robot money is a little more robust than flowers. As the flowers grew in popularity, professional growers paid higher and higher prices for the bulbs with the virus. Oh, hold on. Uh... The multicolor effects and intricate lines of the flame-like streaks of the petals were vivid and spectacular and made the bulbs that pro uh, produced even more exotic-looking and highly sought after. And it is, a, is because of a tulip-specific mosaic virus. And so the plants that had this virus were, were in short supply, and then the price spiked. And then everyone wanted to have a tulip that looked like this. Yeah, so I guess you guys are doing this on the Bitcoin articles. Um, Somebody make a Giorgio O'Keefe joke. Yeah, no, <laughs> or we can have a discussion about uh, bubbles and stuff. Uh, because I like making bubbles. Bitcoin is likely to split again in November. People are saying... Uh, well, it's meant to be forkable, giggity. Right. And then you have five different flavors of Bitcoin. Oh. <laughs> That's two long jokes. You know, if we want to... <laughs> If we want to turn this into Eric reads a headline and you make dick jokes at it, that could be another show. But I'm trying to have a discussion here. I'm open for creative processes. Okay. Anyway. Um, let's see. 
industries disrupted? No, we did that already when you were making dick jokes at the industries. Uh, the Pirate Bay website <laughs> runs a cryptocurrency miner. Christian, I think you've seen this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that simple. And then they have a screenshot of the source code. It's pretty simple. Var you know, miner yeah. equals coinhive.anonymous, and then they have a hash in there. Miner.start. <laughs> That's a good trade-off. It's like, yeah. we help you get free stuff, and then we get free money off you. It's crowdsourcing well, like, software piracy. Yeah, that's like I may or may not have been on that website and had looked at this CPU instructions while doing that. It's pretty simple, actually. It's just a bunch of HTTP requests. It's not like they're actually doing it. It's not like they have an actual Bitcoin miner on your machine. Well, I mean, it's just using the API to mine it. Yeah. Why couldn't they write a miner in JavaScript? Uh, probably working on it. It's pro- your browser is probably too sandbox for something. I don't know what it would be offhand, but I think because you got to store the entire ledger, uh, your sandbox data that max amount of memory, or you can't write to disk when you want to write to disk. Gotcha. I feel like you could use Chrome to do some crazy stuff. Yeah, especially with WebGL. There's got to be a way to do that. Well, uh, WebAssembly or WebAssembly. There you go. As I uh, say, web, WebGL is graphics. I don't really understand how that. Uh, you might be running out of memory, by the way, in your Zencaster, because you're starting to uh, Cylon. Oh, nice. That's, that's excellent. We have been on for almost 90 minutes, so if you want to uh, restart the browser, then that's fine. That's fine. Uh, where's, the, where's the music? Where are my Golden Girls, Tyler? Uh, are you looking for Cylon and Garfunkel? No, did you restart Zencaster Cylon yet? Cylon and Garfunkel. I'm re- but I have it. Oh, I have it here. So thank you for being a friend. <laughs> thank you yeah, for I'm being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. You know, this isn't helping us do shorter shows. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Tweedy. <laughs> and if you hear... All right. Uh, is he back yet? No, he's not back. Oh. oh man, it starts from the beginning. <laughs> oh hey, I had to restart twice. So wholesome. No, you sound uh, you're breaking up, Christian. Yeah, no, I'm losing my connection with Tyler as as we speak. You're losing your connection because too many people are streaming Netflix in your apartment. What? No, I'm, I'm getting your <laughs> voice connection so. to Maybe. Happy Joy Joy has failed. We're trying. Oh. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine though. That's cool. Well, I can't hear you, Tyler. You're fine. Anyway. Oh. A Pirate Bay Bitcoin miner uh, is throttled at 0.8% of your CPU. So, at least they haven't just... I guess that would just kind of throw it up to 100. Yeah. 0.8%. That's not a lot. I assume it can't be doing very much. And then... But given the volume of people at Pirate Bay, I mean, (laughs) that's that's where they're making their money. Yeah. This is the second... Best crowdsourcing opportunity after that, uh, the famous SETI at home screensaver from the 90s. The what? You don't remember that? No, no I was just like laughing to myself. Like, can I buy stock in Pirate Bay? <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, SETI at home. That was the, uh, the extraterrestrial life project. And they, they were able to crowdsource people's computers together uh, when they ran the screensaver that used their idle power to help search for aliens. You didn't hear about this? No, it's really cool. I don't remember that at all. This was really big in the late 90s. Huh. Yeah, Very and we cool. had it on a bunch of computers uh, wherever I went. Uh, let's see, SETI at home graphics. I wonder if it still exi- it might still exist. 
Setting at home graphics show information about the data analysis about your account and team. Hmm. Anyway, uh, looks like it is written in DirectX, so not for Mac. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> uh, alright, so we talked about Pirate Bay, we talked about Tulip Mania, uh, let's talk about a web browser that blocks ads, but then wants you to pay for them with Bitcoin. It's called Brave, just B-R-A-V-E, and, uh, it is pretty fast, but that's because it's just, it's, Chrome has become Netscape. And when Chrome came out 10 years ago, it was super fast because Mozilla had become Netscape. And before Mozilla, it was Netscape that had become Netscape. And the problem with Netscape is that it started out as a fast, lightweight browser that they slowly started adding more support and more features and more ancillary accessories that you didn't, that you didn't really use. Uh, and then they just kept throwing more stuff onto this extremely extremely popular web browser that then made it basically unusable and not performant. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like AOL where it just tries to do everything. Yeah, this is better. So then they take the rendering engine out of Netscape, which was called Gecko, and then they put that in a browser that has nothing, and they call that Firefox. And then they, Firefox started getting bloated, and then Chrome took a, render, a different rendering engine, which was called WebKit, uh, which was in Safari. Apple had been contributing to it since they stole it from Conqueror, because that was the Conqueror web browser. And it was KHTML. And then Apple called it WebKit. And then Google used WebKit with nothing to make Chrome. And then when you were running Chrome with nothing against Firefox that was full of extensions, you'd, you'd go, wow, Chrome's a lot faster. Now, Chrome is the pig. And I believe I said this then, that it's only a matter of time before this happens to Chrome. And now it's happened to Chrome. And now there's Brave. And Brave is pretty quick, I have to say, but that's because there's nothing on it. There's no browser extensions, there's no Reddit extensions, there's nothing. So, yeah. Um, it does say that it blocks ads and, and has, pri- has uh, your privacy in mind by default. However, it does not send the do not track header uh, unless you enable it. Uh, so I don't know why they talk about privacy when it's still sending, it's not sending do not track. Um, and then also, uh, paying for the ads that you're not seeing. I think this is a, a decent idea. No one's going to do it, but it's a decent idea on how to get away from the display ad economy that is currently plaguing and keeping the internet alive simultaneously. Absolutely. Hmm. I got Brave, nothing more. I agree. It's a pretty cool idea. But. Brave Payments is our Bitcoin-based publisher contribution system that anonymously and automatically supports your favorite websites while remaining untracked by anyone, including us at Brave Software. It just sounds like a hard That's thing for cool. everyone to organize correctly and for everyone yeah, to be on that bad I think, Like I said, it's a decent idea, and it is a real effort to get us away from just having display ads that you know that'll ruin your experience, especially the takeover ads. Those are just horrible. Yeah. And we have to we have to get away from the well. Everyone's using ad blockers, so we're not getting the impression. So the people that don't have ad blockers, we're just going to inundate them with ads to make up for it. But at the same time, no one's actually going to well, submit their is, credit card to their web browser to pay for the ads that they don't see. Google is cracking down on takeover ads. That's true. They, that? They're penalizing people for not having for those lightbox ads when you load up a page. Yep. Thank and, God. And Safari is going to start limiting cookie mm. usage. So I, the Safari is going to limit cookies by not working. Yeah. So ads just going to stop working. Gonna, 
have a real yeah, headache in the next few years about that. Yeah. Well, you know, the web is growing up. And, uh, and now now it's in its adolescence, and it's still going through the hormonal changes that you can see more about in Nick Kroll's cartoon, and bring that all the way around. And, uh, yeah, it will, will come out of a different, will come out in a different way. But I, I like this philosophy, except that I probably would never actually use it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for ads I don't see. I'm not gonna, you know. Would you do that with television? Well, yeah, I do with Hulu. Oh, uh, you do do it with Hulu. I do. We do. Yeah, we do it with Spotify. Yeah, I do it with Spotify. I used to do it with Pandora. Uh, okay, but um, it's not a web browser. Rich and these, and the thing is, is that the ads on those systems were limited. But on the web, there's no limitation to ads. So if someone, if they establish some kind of going rate per ad, and you load your website up, then I don't see. Then unless there's some strict regulatory rules, I don't see how it's not just going to take money from you. Exactly. And speaking of taking money from people, the best way to take money from people is with a not-for-profit. And there is a not-for-profit about Bitcoin. It's called the Bitcoin Foundation, as you might expect. And they have a manifesto that they didn't bother to put on their web page. They just have a link to it. When you click the link, it says click another link. Great. So, we, the members of the Bitcoin Foundation, believe the following to be true. Let's see if you agree with this. All right? Fiat currency has been a poor long-term share of value, especially since the gold standard was abolished. Agree or disagree? I don't know. Christian? Oh, Christian. Christian died. Oops. No, it says my, the, my void connection to him has failed. Oh. I haven't heard him. Oh, well, okay. Well, you know what? Let's just uh, see what happens. Um, All right. Fiat currency has been a poor long-term store of value, A. B. Inflation encourages consumption and discourages savings and sustain the available use of limited resources. C. Traditional financial services, especially banking, are not inclusive for the 2.1 billion people in poverty. Oh, I can hear that you came back, Christian. Or maybe not. I don't think so. Oh. I heard his chair. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Electronic payment processing times and fees are too high, an important reason why 85% of all commerce globally is still done in cash. Uh, next, the financial services collapse of 2008 and subsequent banking system bailout caused a substantial misery for the poorest of the global population, especially in developing economies. Uh, G losses associated with with the card fraud totaled 16.3 billion dollars globally in 2014. Uh, H traditional banking and payment systems are not secure, and I trust in traditional banking and financial services is at an all-time low. Does that sound agreeable sounds, to you, Tyler? Sounds agreeable. Okay. Accordingly, we believe that every human has the following financial rights, which should not be regulated by government or regulated. Like the right, like the right to privacy and transactions. I'm American here. Christian's back. How can you hear him? It's his connection. He lost his he his connection to the show failed, but I can hear him. I don't know why. How can you hear him and I can't hear him? I don't know. I just keep seeing these messages. My connection to C has been trying. Been failing. Retrying. Damn. Do I need to restart this? Couldn't tell you. 
Well, uh, all right, let's just get through this and we'll figure out. I think because we're, we're almost done. Uh, anyway, here are your financial rights as uh, provided by the Bitcoin Foundation. You have the right to privacy in transactions that involve no harm to others. You have the right to keep your savings or spend your money anywhere in the world. You have the right to economic participation with or without a bank account. You have the right to economic participation with or without a credit history. You have the right to convert fiat currency into Bitcoin and vice versa, even though Bitcoin is fiat currency. Uh, the right to use Bitcoin as a medium of exchange and the right to use Bitcoin as a store of value. And somehow these people will find a way to extort other people and companies for hundreds of millions of dollars in the coming years. So, yes. I need to look over those terms with my lawyer. Huh. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the right to privacy in transactions that involve no harm to others, that's, that, could, that could kill the whole argument right there, if you think about it. If I buy a burger from... Now, you know what, let's do Popeyes. If I get a bucket of chicken from Popeyes, the others are the chicken. I believe that's harm to them, isn't isn't it? No, I think it's just you and Popeyes. Oh. Okay. Uh, alright. Anyway, it looks like Christian officially lost his internet. And... Oh, well. Oh, well. We Look don't need it. time. Tyler, this is the show that we've always wanted. No. <laughs> wow. We finally got it, but we're really tired. All right. Uh, let's see. Here, we've got uh, two things really quickly. Let's talk about uh, how to play with cryptocurrency historical data in Python. It's on GitHub. It's called CryCompare. And look it up. That's that's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Uh, the... Uh, the README for um, for Cry Compare. I don't know why they didn't just call it Crypto Compare. It says to access the Crypto Compare public API, you need Cry Compare, whatever. Uh, and then it just shows you a quick uh, Python example and how to uh, go through this. I guess it's another time series database of uh, historical cryptocurrency uh, ins and outs, highs and lows. And. Uh, yeah, and has, it's not just Bitcoin. There's other types of, of uh, cryptocurrency. And I can't. No, I can't hear you, Christian. Nope. Nope. Uh, can't hear you, but Tyler can somehow. How is that possible? <laughs> no, it's I... like, I guess it can't connect here. He can't connect to my peer. His MacBook kernel panic. Um, anyway. Uh, where were we? Anyway, so you can run you can uh, run this Python program, and it will generate a nice uh, table for you that you can use to make a graph. See where it's going. Very cool. It's like a roller coaster ride. And our last story for the evening is how I snatched one hundred and fifty-three thousand thirty-seven Ethereum after a bad Tinder date. That's a lot of money. Right, Christian? Yeah. He's not here. Uh, really? Is he... Is this, is this just it for him? It's not working for him. I, I can even reprioritize my routing for VoIP, but it still says hey, I can, I can hear you connect now. to you. Oh, hi. Hi. Hello. Hey. How's it going? All right. I had to reboot my, both my laptop and my router. Mazel tov. 
Well? Yeah, Zencaster sucks. Okay, well, we can write our own podcasting service in the future, but anyway. But we need it. We're talking about how, uh, how on a bad date someone snatched 153,037 Ethereum. Hey, you mentioned this last week in brief. Yes, well, over the weekend I did a lot of swiping right. I've never had a Tinder date go bad. Go, oh, I've never had a Tinder go this fast from match to agreeing on a date time this fast before. I was thrilled. On the following Friday, we went out. The evening started nice, but he got creepier and creepier by the hour. A few hours in, he's a full-on creep. I had to bolt. He might have been. He might have been gone on a date with you, Christian. Uh, wow. Wow. Okay, so in the day, I sit and watch streams of Bitcoin and Ethereum. First, if you start a paragraph with, okay, so, you should be fired from wherever you're writing, even though anyone can write on Medium. <clears throat> anyway. Okay, so. In the day, I sit and watch streams of Bitcoin and Ethereum transactions flowing from markets, escrow accounts to sellers, from exchanges to users, from users mixing, to, uh, mixing party contracts, so on and so forth. Flagging interesting transactions, following flows between accounts suspected of activities such as child pornography exchange, human trafficking, etc. Eight hours a day, every day. And it looks like the other things that I had highlighted on this article haven't been highlighted. Oh no. Crap! This is a long article, and I didn't highlight it. I, or the rest of the highlights didn't come through. Um... Okay. Well, no, I'm just, now I'm doing my horrible thing of skimming through the code. Uh, it's like, what is it? Uh, uh let's see, because I don't want to just read this, but um, what am I doing here? Uh, the noise from Bastille Day's fireworks is filling the skies. I'm following, I'm following a transaction trail I've worked on for a couple of weeks. One of the bigger transactions originated from a multi-signature wallet smart contract. I don't know why I did that, but I clicked uh, in the Ethereum, uh, the Etherscan link and skimmed through the code. I remember finding it funny how Gab Nicholas wrote that assembly, uh, that assembly piece to call an internal method, init wallet, in the wallet library. Solidly is a crap language, so I wasn't all that surprised. But I mean, really? Wasn't it that you can install internal methods normally from the derived contracts? I don't know, I'm not a Solidity programmer. I don't know, this is getting too, uh, involved. Just like the other article I had to... Anyway, it looks like, uh, it looks like they found, like, it's like, the, it's like the loose change thing from Office Space. They find these, uh, wallets with pennies of Ethereum, and you can just grift them, I guess. Uh, even with my non-existent sense of morality, I didn't feel like cleansing the 253 Ethereum in the wallet I, I first found because it was too low to bother. Now, I'm not a rich guy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I started analyzing data, writing code that spots patterns and anomalies and even stalk people online. Wow. Uh, but I knew almost nothing about how Ethereum works, how smart contracts were, were stored, or pretty much how anything would help me locate these wallets. The only thing I have is a fast-synced Ethereum blockchain fully cached in RAM. I tried basic grepping, but I had no success, so I guess he's grepping for other wallet IDs. The blockchain isn't your grandmother's DB. Time to change gears. He's using the Ethereum JavaScript API. 
The plan is straightforward. Find the archetypes, which are the root contracts uh, based on which the wallets are created. Find the children. Once you have the archetype addresses, I, uh, they can find the affected wallets that use the archetypes as libraries. Triage. Rank the wallets by amount and grab the money from a random sample. And uh, Snatch. Do it all in one go. And then clean. Spend the next couple of months cleaning it up. This guy is a fraud detector who has committed cryptocurrency fraud. And anyway, he goes out into doing that, but it's basically exploitive code. This wasn't nearly as cool as I, uh, I thought. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. If you're holding on to $30 million and 250 lines of code then you ha that you haven't audited, then it's on you. Right. All right. Uh, you guys seem very interested in this. Uh, okay. I think that's all we've got. Uh, Tyler has an article in the Bitcoin Apocalypse. We can talk about that next well, we week. We actually already mentioned it. It was just uh, a, it was just trying to make a big old deal about the split that's coming up. Ah. Well, I did want to talk really quickly about initial coin offerings, but we can leave that for next week. So, as we're all getting tired because it is a Sunday night and we recorded the show late. I think it's time to end. So, Christian, do you approve of this pull request? Let's get me. How about you, Tyler? I approve. Well, then let's all hit merge. And we'll see you all next week, hopefully, right here on Pull Request. This has been a Pneumonium production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Volkpec. Visit them at V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K dot com. <laughs>